good morning, everybody. Morning. Let me here. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2. Today, as a church, we don't tend to um, remember all the festivals and that, that, like our Anglican friends do, you know. It's Christmas and Easter, yeah. But today is Pentecost. Uh, when we remember when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2, and it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That is great. How many churches are all divided all over the place? <laughs> but when we're all together in one place, and I don't think that's just geographically, I think that's in our heart and in our spirit, I believe that's when the Holy Spirit can come and touch us. That's where God pours out our blessing, isn't it? Yeah. So they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each other. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were standing in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in the bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are all these who are speaking aliens? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and all parts and past in Libya, in Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they had too much wine. <laughs> then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and dressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people are not drunk, if you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, I don't want you to assume that if it was later, they might be. But it was only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken, and this is important. This is what was spoken. This, what's just happened, is what was spoken by the prophet Joel hundreds of years previously. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will drink dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. Yeah. What a great turning point. What a, a wonderful and important point in history that was. Not only for the church, but for the whole of the human race, the outpouring at Pentecost of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And it is significant and it's important for us today as well. Later on, Paul asked them in Ephesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We're going to come to that a bit later on. But it was something that they, they, they counted more, not just for a one event there, but for something that was going to go forward down church history. 
Feast of Pentecost was a, uh, a Jewish feast that celebrated the wheat harvest. It was something that they'd been celebrating for hundreds of years. And actually, in Jerusalem at that time, because there was this festival, there were a lot of people there. You heard them all over the place, from all over the nations of the, country, of the world, they came. And Acts chapter 2, as I said, was a turning point a huge, of huge importance. And I believe it's not something we just learn about. I think it's something we need to experience for ourselves. What is this about? This is just a history book, the Bible. No, I tell you, it's something that tells us and enables us to find out things that by the power of the Holy Spirit we can actually walk in today. That's what it's about. This isn't so much a storybook as a, as a workshop manual. Hmm. Something we apply. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is something that has been going on since creation. Um, all the way through the Old Testament, people, all the people that God used, had an anointing, had an empowering and enabling by the Holy Spirit. Elijah, the miracles that he did, it was because the Spirit of God was upon him. And when Elijah went to be with God, that anointing came upon Elisha. Samson didn't work out at the gym to get his strength. He had times when the Spirit of God came upon him and he had a supernatural strength. And the point is this, that the Holy Spirit gives supernatural ability to ordinary people. Hands up if you're ordinary. (laughs) Well. But you are candidates for the Holy Spirit to use supernaturally. They did amazing things because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and Jesus. It's uh, it's surprising me actually that a lot of people don't realise that Jesus only did his ministry, his thing. You know, when he walked on water, did miracles, got his disciples together. He only did that for three years. The first 30 years, he was a carpenter, he was a son, he was a schoolboy, he was he was all the things that he was growing up. And there came a time when John the Baptist baptised him in water, and when he came out of the water in Matthew chapter 3, I think it is, 316, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God coming upon him like a dove. And from that moment, that moment, after the Holy Spirit had come upon him, he then went and started doing amazing things. You see, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. People in the Old Testament were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then, a promise was made to those who followed him. Wait in Jerusalem, (coughs) and you can see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait, seek, be at one, be in one place, be together, and you'll receive something wonderful from God that's going to enable you to serve and to fill the world with the message of Jesus and transform the world in which we live. And in Acts chapter 2, it happened. This, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is what was promised. That in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all nations. You know, on all people. 
You know, some people get this thing about being filled with the Spirit as being for those days. That's just for those days. We don't need that anymore. You know, we've got the Bible, we've got we've got all these churches, we've got this, we've got that, we've got oh we've got do you know, if, if these people needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit to serve God in those days, don't we need him even more in these days? Yeah. And besides, it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 39, um, well, verse 39, it says that the promise of being filled with the Spirit is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This wasn't just some transitory blessing. It was a promise to people who know and love Jesus. The reason was to give power. Now, we get a bit disillusioned when we see people who like power. I mean, you know, there's all these national leaders like, uh, like the Korean chap, you know? He's got it, North Korea, he's got it now down, he's got power. President Putin's got power. And guess what? Donald Trump's got power as well. <laughs> They've all got power. Yeah. And sometimes we can think, oh, power, power, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Yes, it can. But if I went to your house and switched the power off, <laughs> How would you get on? Comes from Jatania. The fridge is thawing out. Oh, me, it tongs won't work. <coughs> Cut the water power off. Everything, nothing works. Do you know the power that the Holy Spirit gives to his people is not a power that is for ego or for yourself. It's a power that's exercised in serving. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be the greatest amongst you must be the servant of all. Yeah. But we do need power. The electricity that comes into our house serves us. And that's how God services. They are God services. And the power that God wants to give to his church is one that serves. That serves him. But I also like this kind of way of looking at it. We serve Him. Right? We do stuff for Him. I'm doing stuff for Him. I'm serving Him. But you know, there's a very real sense, I think, in which when we serve Him, it's like a waiter. We serve Him to our work. You know? Mike shared about how his wife got hurt. Oh, do you know, I'm so glad that you receive such a serving of the love of God. It's gonna it's gonna fill her up not in a sense in a nice way. We serve him with the power that he gives us. You know the Holy Spirit is, works in all sorts of ways. At creation the Holy Spirit was there. He inspired the scripture. All scripture is God breathed to Timothy. 316. It's inspired by God. It's inspired. People wrote the scriptures, but they were inspired and enabled by the Holy Spirit to write what He wanted us to read. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Yeah. He doesn't condemn us. 
He doesn't condemn you or make you feel rubbish about yourself. That's what the devil does. But the Holy Spirit will convict you. How many of you know when you've done something wrong? Oh, yeah, no, you did. It's just horrible. It's just horrible, isn't it? <laughs> you've done something wrong. You try to convince yourself that it's all right and it's all acceptable, but oh my goodness, deep inside there's this horrible nagging. That's the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that. He convicts you and he tells you that it's not right. And isn't that a pain? Yes. Thank God for pain sometimes because actually pain tells you when there's something wrong. Yeah. Pain can actually ruin somebody's life, but a good bit of pain, sorry Cindy, can tell you when there's something wrong. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. I wouldn't be a Christian today if the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted me and, and told me, do you know what? You need to know them. You're not a bad chap. I was only about 10, for goodness sake. I hadn't you know, done too much wrong in those days, you know. <laughs> Wasn't perfect. <laughs> I mean, no, I was about ten. I was twelve, wasn't I, Lady? Lady met knew me before I was a Christian. Wow. And I was a wonderful person, wasn't I? But <laughs> I still needed Jesus. And, and when I was at a camp in Devon, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I knew, I knew, I had to make a step for the Holy Spirit upon my life to save me. He commits. And he brings salvation. You know, I love what he said to the woman at the well. He asked for some water, and she said, You've got, you know, he, he asked for me for water. He said, Well, if, if you had the water I've got, you'd never thirst again. And it was living water. And you know, that's a picture of our salvation. Um, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God's life and saving power comes to us to live within us, to save us, to give us new life, and to have the life of Jesus within us by the Holy Spirit. And that, and that water, it comes within us and it refreshes us. Living water. Who's been out to drink this? He goes, Nicky, Don't look so suspicious. <laughs> it's only out there. Did you Give us another drink. Give us a, just show us how it works. 
She puts the cup to her mouth, she tips the cup, takes a mouthful of water and swallows it. And it's lovely. It's very nice. Thank you, Nikki. God's life and saving power comes into us to save us. But when we talk about the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit, that's something a bit different. The Holy Spirit at Pentecost didn't come to save people. They were disciples. He came to empower it was, do you remember I said that the Holy Spirit does all sorts of things, creation, inspiration, convictions, all this stuff. And one of the things he does is when somebody is a believer, he empowers them to be more than they could be without him. Yeah. You see, we, we, we need the power of the Holy Spirit because we live in a supernatural world. You see, when Bob and Elaine step out and serve God in faith and do something and all this rubbish comes and hits them, they need a supernatural faith that sees them through it. And we stand with them in that. And the empowering of the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus in Acts chapter 1 is a distinct experience from being a Christian. You become a Christian through faith. But then the grace and power of God's anointing comes upon you when you receive the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a distinct experience. This is why Paul said to the people at Ephesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Yeah. Well, in one sense, they did receive the Holy Spirit because he came in and he, uh, inside, like Nikki, give us another go. Oh, she's so good at this. Oh, oh, look at that. You, you know, you're a professional. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit, now you've drunk that tonight, water, it's gone within. You know, when it talks about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and in the other accounts in the book of Acts, it doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't come within, it comes upon the Word. is epi. Now, epi means upon. You see, I gave that cup to, to Nikki just now. Do you like this? <laughs> You see, he's just had some water within. If you want to, yeah, but. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon, it doesn't come within sight, it comes within. I don't know. As if I would. <laughs> no, no, no. 
Now, do you see the between end and the problem? Do you see that? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Elisha received the cloak that Elijah had. When Elijah went to be with God, he left his cloak there. And when Elisha, his servant, put it on, it came upon him and then he started to walk in the anointing that his master, Elijah, had. You know, Joseph had a coloured coat. He put it on. And when he put it on, all his brothers knew that he was his dad's favourite son. It gave him something extra. He, he abused it a bit because he wound, wound them up with it. When the lost son, in the prodigal son story, came back from uh, feeding the pigs and his father saw him, his father welcomed him, and what did he do? He put on him a robe. It, it was a coming upon that gave him the authority again of being the son. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon his people, he imparts something that is greater than we are. It comes upon us. It's not about us. It's about what God puts upon us so that we can serve him, be witnesses, and serve God in this generation. Kings were anointed and priests were anointed with oil. The oil was put upon them to make them what they are. And even Prince Harry went to church yesterday as a single man and he came out as being the Duke of Sussex. <laughs> the whole of Sussex. He's that waste. <laughs> Sussex. And just as Jesus didn't begin his ministry before the anointing of the Holy Spirit that his Father sent, the church didn't begin to move before Acts chapter 2, that turning point that enabled and empowered them to be. You see, we're designed, we are designed to operate beyond our abilities. We are. And we receive the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Oh, you will be my witnesses. You know, witnessing is something that people are scared about while we're going to talk to people. Do you know what? That's, that's the last thing you do, actually. You be a witness. That's what you are. You see? You be a witness. Come to that in a minute. But let me tell you that the Holy Spirit comes upon us because we need to get our confidence back. Church, we need to get our confidence back. We need to have more confidence in the power and the anointing that God has got for his people in these days. I was in the New Forest. I go there a lot. <laughs> and there was this fella. We were watching some birds and prey called hobbies. And this chap came along and we were talking to him about it. And he's obviously into nature as well. So we were talking to him about it. And he said, cheeky son, so he said, you retired. Dare. <laughs> I said, no. What do you do with it? He said, well, I'm a pastor in a church, I'm a minister. And suddenly, <laughs> got the garlic out and everything. <laughs> he said, you don't believe in creation, do you? I said, yeah. He said, oh, I see even worse. <laughs> I actually believe, I believe in God created. I don't believe we're absent. God created. Right. We are creations. 
And he said, well, my barber is one of your lot. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful whether you're right. And he said, and he's a creationist. I said, yeah. He said, well, when I asked him about the dinosaurs, he said, the devil put the bones there to lead us astray. Well, that's sound, isn't it? Hey, brilliant. Fantastic. That's really, that really is good. Yeah, good, 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 good call out. And he, he, he thought that if you actually dared to believe that a God created the heavens and the earth and that we're not an accident, that you'd have your brains in it. Hey, you know, the seven days thing doesn't necessarily mean seven days. Seven periods of time. The eternal God's got all the time in the world. And a lot of more. You see? We don't have to compromise our beliefs. What we know is true. We need to have confidence in who Jesus is, in what we believe. And when the disciples stood before the religious leaders, it said when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus and they'd received the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. I want you to be proud of the supernatural. Let's be proud of you, people of faith. Let's be proud of Jesus, shall we? Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, when I talk to people, I say, look, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I haven't had it. I'm a reasonably I'm not a toad from numbskull. You know what I'm saying? And if I believe it, surely, surely there's a modicum of kind of value in that. I'm not some raving nutter that believes anything. No, we need to have our confidence and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it's the power of God. It is the power of God that saved me. Right? We are witnesses to him. David was confident because he, when he faced Goliath, he had the Holy Spirit focused on the situation, whereas the army of Israel saw the problem. He had the anointing. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And you know, we need to be available and ready for the Holy Spirit to move upon us. I remember years ago I was in, walking through some woods at the top of my dad's road where I used to live. And there was this, I get so out of the you seen these people doing wheelies on motorbikes bikes down the road? <laughs> and, and you know, the map that the human nasty bit thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but not it <laughs> I'd like your bike to break. You know the least. Well there was in this wood when I was walking with one eye dogs from years ago, there was this fellow on a motorbike. And he saw me writing something in my notebook. It was probably a bird or something I would see. Because I'm an animal. And he stopped his bike. He said, you write down my registration number, mate. <laughs> and that got my back up. I wasn't as sanctified then as I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Ish. Don't know. 
And I said, I could have said no. I said, it doesn't matter what I'm writing. That's my point. He said, look, if you report me and I get my bike taken because I'm being punished, I'm going to lose everything. This is my life, this bike. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, this bloke goes, needs. Do something. So I said to him, I said, you're saying to me that this motorbike is the most important thing in your life? He said, yeah. I said, I want to tell you something, mate. There is something far, far greater for you to live for and know about than this motorbike. You shouldn't be riding through it. I'm not going to report you. Rather you didn't do it again. But I want to pray for you because there's someone called Jesus who loves you to change your life. So he took his helmet off, and in the middle of these words, I just put my hand out and prayed for him. Never seen him again. Never seen him again. He might be leading to the church right now, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I could have had a stand up rail and kicked his motorbike, but he was bigger than me. <laughs> Just being available to when the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, do something. We're called to be fishers. Fishers of men. Come follow me, Jesus said, I'll let send you out. You can fish for people. Do you know, the church is, I heard this said, it's in my original, but I like it. It says, the church is not an aquarium. We're not aquarium people. This church is not an aquarium where all the fish come every week and give a pinch of food. They come to the top, and it's swelling. Until the next little pinch of food is. Now, do you know what? We are called to actually touch people's lives. Be fishes of men. But we're called to do that. Um, a Holy Spirit church will always value and reach people. We're called to catch men. Catch people. And I used to have a problem with that catching people. It's about we're trying to come. In Habakkuk, it says this. This is really my last week. It says, you make people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that happen in the river. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net, he gathers them up in his drug net, and so he rejoices and is glad. Do you know what? The alternative to Jesus catching you is the enemy will catch you. Yeah. Isn't that worth catching people? When I say catch people, I mean be a witness. It's not about our words, but it's about our lives. How we relate to, respect, have a love and a compassion for people. Now I know I show my compassion for people in a way that others might not get away with. I know that. <laughs> but you know what? If you're real, people know. And all you're called to do is to be real and love people with the love that gives you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's what that spirit does. Talk to a lady again. I was out walking, and I've told you about this lady before. But when she found out what I did for a living, there was a, there was that wall again. I don't know what it is. And she would say, "Oh, I'm in a gay relationship. You hate me for that, don't you?" I said, "Do you know what? I really do. I showed her love, respect." I don't necessarily agree with gay marriage, which is what she wanted me to bless her in. 
But you know, there is a myth that says this, if you don't agree with me, you don't love me. Now, we love and respect people. We're all on a journey. And I respect her for where she's at. It's not where I'm at. But we love and respect, and that's how we win them for Jesus. Our community groups always say, you never preach at us. We don't. But do we have an agenda? You bet your life we do. We want to see them come to Jesus, every single one of those people in our community groups. And there are people here today through our community groups. Isn't that great? Who know and love Jesus? Yes! Yes, okay. <laughs> in your heart, set aside Jesus as Lord. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't be some crazy person who preaches at everybody. I heard a story of a guy once whose wife was a Christian and he was not. And what she used to do, she used to pack it up lunch every day. <laughs> she used to put a Bible verse in, in Wendy's sandwich. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? She thought, you know what, he might eat a cheese sandwich and find out the text and it'll just, the Holy Spirit will come upon him because he got sick of it. That's not the way you do it. Nagging people. Yeah, getting in their face. No, let's be respectful. Let's be confident. And let's believe that God can use us. He's chosen you. Right? We're here to make things happen. That's why we're here. But too many of us are limited by doubt in ourselves and our abilities. It's not about your abilities. It's about the Holy Spirit coming upon you so that you are more than you can be. Do you get that? There are different kinds of gifts, it says in Corinthians, but the same spirit distributes them. We're all different. You, you have got gifts that I will never have. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Do you know what? You can do things that I just can't do and that the person sitting next to you do. But, but do you know what? He gives you gifts. And there are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, is the same God. We're team church. We're team kid. They won't let me near the guitar. They won't let me near the piano. I say, I'm banned from that because I can't do it. But I just want to say to you this morning that the gifts that God gives us, they're grace gifts. That's why they're called charismatic. Charis is grace. Malta is grace gift. Gifts and abilities that we cannot acquire ourselves, but God gives them to us even though we don't deserve them. I didn't even speak about speaking in tongues, did I? That's another story. It's another matter. It is. But it is a wonderful, empowering thing that God gives us. You know, I, I like actually, I love it. I'd love to do some, not well, teaching, and I'll stand here and talk to you. I, I'd love us to have, if anybody's interested in talking about and learning more about the Holy Spirit, I would gladly put aside the time. And we can do that. Well, let me know. Because I don't want to turn up here on my own, all right? 
But just let me know if you've got to do it. Okay. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And there's two things I want us to finish with. First of all, Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants you to receive your Messiah. Like Nicky drank that water. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour, if you don't know that new life that he puts within you, ask and he will give it to you. But the other thing is, I'm going to challenge you this morning. We might even do a bit more of this tonight than Bishop Andrews. But what I pray for your anointing, a new anointing. To know his power in a new dimension, to be refreshed again, to fan into flame the gifts that God's given you, for him to come upon you in a fresh way, so that the sons and daughters, you can prophesy, you can see visions, you can dream dreams, we can be people of the Spirit. It's not by my or by power, it's by his Spirit. Let's bow heads and pray. That's a musician.